0: Welcome to a new episode of the internal communication podcast. I am your co-host Kat Barnard and today I am ridiculously excited because without doing a disservice to any of our other guests we have literally the best guest for you today. We have with us Seth Godin and I know that there are going to be people tuning in right now who are just Enraptured by the fact that Seth has joined us. For those who might not know Seth, he is the author of 20 books that have been bestsellers around the world and translated into more than 35 languages. He's also the founder of the Alt MBA and the Akimbo workshops, online seminars that have transformed the work of thousands of people. He writes about the post industrial revolution, the ways ideas spread, marketing, leadership, and most of all, changing everything. His books, and I'm really listing my personal favourites here, include Tribes, Linchpin, We're All Weird, and This is Marketing. The reason we're talking to Seth today is actually to discuss the most recent project that he has kicked off. And I have to start this Seth, by just mentioning what your what I believe your catalyst moment was. And it was that in the course of 2021, over the summer of 21, you read a book that had such a profound impact on you that it has changed your direction of travel and led to a new, first of its kind community project. People that follow me on LinkedIn we'll see that over the course of the last year, I've been talking a lot about the Carbon Almanac, which was published in the summer of 2022 and is a single source repository of climate facts and information to help people better understand climate change and more importantly, the action that they can take to reduce their own carbon emissions and the emissions of the organisations they work for. It's already become a bestseller and has helped many organisations kickstart conversations about the climate crisis and the actions that organisations must take in the urgent transition to net zero. But what I think is really interesting is that the Carbon Almanac was compiled by an all-volunteer international collective of writers, illustrators, educators, entrepreneurs, scientists and marketeers who've all been passionate and continue to be passionate about doing what needs to be done to slow climate change. Disclaimer, I've been involved with the project since the start of 2022, and I can honestly, with my hand on my heart, say it has been one of the most joyous experiences of my career so far. I have witnessed such deep levels of engagement, support and collaboration within the Connective if that spirit existed in the wider business landscape, I don't think we would even have any conversation about engagement or disengagement. I think we would be hyper productive and on fire. So, Seth, welcome and thank you so, so, so much for joining us today.
1: It's absolutely my pleasure and I am in awe of what you are able to create on a regular basis. So it's a A delight to talk to all three of you, but you in particular. Oh,
0: thank you so much. I thought it would be really valuable for our listeners to chat about what it was that led to the idea of the Carbon Almanac as a collective project. Obviously, you could have written a book yourself. You've talked in the past about your experience of composing almanacs. So I'm assuming that could have been an opportunity, that could have been an option for you. Why did you decide to make the Almanac a community endeavor?
1: I think it's really relevant that this, this this practice that these people on this call and the listeners to this podcast are into is called internal communications. Because the whole idea of internal implies that you're talking to yourself. Real communication is not internal, it's connecting humans to each other and communications in most corporations aren't really communications they're megaphones they are speeches they are memos from people with power to everybody else and when this works beautifully it's actual communication it is creating stories that spread it's engaging with other people to do work that matters and for me the magic of this almanac is that it is an example of our way forward because it's not me telling other people what I think. It is a we problem, not a me problem. It is a chance for all of us to come together and make it really clear that we want things to get better. And I wanna share the the Massey principle with you, which is super simple. A recent study at Princeton showed that approximately 80% of the people in the United States believe that we should do something about our climate problem. And that same group believes that only 37% of America agrees with them. And it's really easy to seduce ourselves into thinking that we want to do good, but nobody else does. And in fact, if you give people a chance to do something of significance, you will be surprised at how many of them want to join
0: you. I think that's a really interesting point. And one of the observations that I have about life in the 2020s, and I think we may have kind of talked about this within the community at certain points, I'm really interested in the observation that the internet has connected more of us together you know, globally, across the planet, we now have the means by which to connect to people in ways that we never would have been able to pre-2007 and the advent of the first generation smartphone. And yet in parallel, it feels like we're less connected than ever before. We have relationships that seem infinitely more fragile and infinitely less deep and expensive than they used to have been and yet we have this convergence of big issues that we have to we have to deal with collectively they're systemic in nature they're bigger than any government can mandate for and it really does start to feel like the only way in which our species has a chance of I guess survival. I mean, I'm not sure we're going to die out. I'm not that dystopian, but we have, we, we have to do some radical things and we need connection and community to do that. For you, Seth, what role does community and tribe play in successful business change today?
1: So I guess I would ask how many people at the movies have to yell fire before the whole movie is ruined for you? And the answer is not very many. And what it means to lead is not simply to give everybody a microphone. Sometimes you have to just give the microphone to the people who are going where you are going and ask the trolls to leave the building. We don't need everybody to agree about the changes that need to happen. And your company doesn't need everybody to agree about anything that you want to accomplish, but you have to give the microphone to the people who want to go where you are going. And One of the reasons that 1,900 of us were able to come together from 91 countries as volunteers and build something that we are proud of is because we were really clear with people again and again, this is the boundaries. This is the rules of what we're doing. This is how we do things around here. And if this doesn't work for you, you can have a refund because this plane isn't flying where you seek to go. And that's what leadership looks like.
2: So, Seth, let's look at that from an organizational point of view. Because how do you think a sense of community at work can be so integral to an organization's drive to play its part, to push towards net zero, for example? Because if it's a network of individuals making decisions about their own performance, how does the community enhance that and build upon it? Two questions there. Sorry about
1: that. No, no, don't be sorry. So I guess when we think about organizations, profit-making organizations in particular, the first question people ask is, what are things like around here? The second question people ask is, will this be on the test? How do I get to do a good job? How do I please my boss? How do I keep from being fired? And people will notice what you do. If you give in to bullies, they will realize this is the kind of place where bullying works. If all you care about at the end of the day is who made a big profit, it doesn't matter what else you say. That's what people are going to think is important. Who wins the employee of the month? Who gets the best parking space? Who gets the approval on a daily basis, earning status or affiliation as they go. And so internal communications is a symptom of the culture of what you seek to build. It is not the cause of it. And what we have to do if we are serious about our organizations advancing in the cause of climate is simple. You know, 25 years ago at the dawn of the internet, I started one of the first internet companies a very long time ago. The rule was super simple. If you want your company to succeed, serve the internet first, do what the internet seeks and the wind will be at your back. So, you know, if you look at Waterstones or Barnes and Noble versus Amazon, Amazon advances because it fed the internet. Well, we are now in this moment where if you feed the planet first, the wind will be at your back. And so the challenge is to communicate to your team your job is not to make a short-term profit. Your job is to figure out what the earth needs and wants and push us to do that. We will support you in that journey. There is no perfect, but there is progress. And that is how we're going to get better.
2: So in, in that situation, what do you see as the the organizing principles, if, if I can use that terminology, for an organizational community? What, what are the things that should bring them together? And where can they be different?
1: Well, I think that the most important phrase that I can share is let's get real or let's not play. And that's from a a really important sales book, but I'm broadening its message. Let's get real or let's not play means this is where we are going. This is how we are getting there. If you don't want to go there, please let us know early and often. So if we think about singular institutions like Nike or Patagonia, It's pretty clear what things are like around there. There's a giant statue of Roger Bannister on the campus of Nike. Well, they've made it really clear who their heroes are, that Patagonia had to take a deep breath and completely reorganize the ownership of the organization to show who their heroes were. So let's be clear. What are we here to do? If your goal is to maximize profit, well, then say so. But my guess is, if you're not Goldman Sachs, you're not actually serious about maximizing profit. Everybody else is trying to do at least something else. So what is it you are trying to do? That's the magic of internal communications, which is, let's be really clear about who our heroes are and what things are like around here.
2: A uh, last question on this, but what can organizations do to help people do individual efforts but make sure it's coordinated you mentioned about the organizing principle there but how can we encourage individuals to take initiative in, in the areas where they can add value themselves
1: so we have indoctrinated people not to take initiative their whole life that you don't get rewarded in first grade or you know in a university for taking initiative you get rewarded for doing well on the test it was all invented by industrialists who want compliant workers. So if you actually want to reward people for taking initiative, start by rewarding people for taking initiative. And then the the flip side of that is start by getting rid of people who refuse to take initiative. If someone comes to a meeting and doesn't speak up, don't invite them back to the meeting. Why did they bother taking up a slot? Right. The, The entire model of corporate culture is do what you say and say what you do. Don't talk about one thing, but then act in a different way.
3: Seth, there's so much that you said that just so resonates with my heart and my soul and just so clearly puts across, I think, that sense of of passion. And we talked a lot already about the principles and being really clear on those rules and what we stand for and those principles and how we we should behave. And as the CEO of the IOIC, I spend a lot of my time talking to our members who are trying to handle the practicalities of on the ground kind of communication particularly around the subject of climate change and there's this kind of strange dichotomy i think happening in business at the moment where the why and where and what we work why we work is is fundamentally changed is fundamentally shifted and this new power balance of the employer and the employee is completely different and this has i think led to internal communication getting more of a profile senior leadership than perhaps it ever has because they are seeing the impact of the things that you have said on their bottom line. Because if people are walking out the door and you're losing that talent because what you say and what you do don't mirror, you want to attract a sense of passion and people and promise and difference. If you just say those words but don't live those words, why am I going to give you my time? But we're also on the backdrop of this noisy communication landscape that we live in, this overwhelming amount of content, messages, media, and what we, what do we all want to act like? And the biggest thing as well that the internal communicators say to me as well is, I know we need to do much stuff about climate change. I don't know how to give it prominence. I don't know how to clearly articulate the problems, the issues, and therefore how to drive that change. So I, I guess for me, is I see lots of opportunity, but if dare I say it, you are a head of internal communication or a leader of internal communication in, in a corporate where you feel those things aren't happening and that those messages aren't resonating, how can we help? How can we get it? I feel like we need to put on our boots and get into the detail to really help make change.
1: It's not, noisy, it's crowded. So Bob Dylan, who's, you know, been making music for 50 years, comes out with a new 12, 15 minute record. And within a day, every single lyric is being dissected and argued about online. He didn't have any trouble talking to his fans because his fans wanted to hear what he had to say. It's only noisy when we talk at people. And unfortunately, internal communications has been used as a cudgel by the people who run organizations, forcing people in internal communications to blast out messages that people don't want to get. But if we can deliver anticipated personal and relevant messages to the people who actually want to get them, there's no noise whatsoever. They're eagerly listening to what we have to say. So I think we have to take a step back and think about, well, How am I using this resource? If people in your company were regularly walking out the door, stealing laptops and selling them, you would fire them. But there are people in your company who are regularly wasting people's attention, which is more precious than a laptop. They're regularly sending a note to 40 people. I've got two extra tickets to the cricket match. Who wants them? Right? They just stole from every single person in the company. So we need to take a deep breath and realize we're in a transition right now with our team, with our mission, with what we do and how we do it. So we can't just keep doing business as usual in terms of how we talk to people. And the work that the people who are listening to this podcast do is where the contact actually happens. So lock it in a box and refuse to use it for bad purposes. Don't let somebody blast out a message to everyone just because they think they have the authority to do so. You control a very precious resource and we need to use it to make change happen.
3: I love that, Seth. And I think that there's so much, like you say, just be really clear, be really simple, that sense of clarity of, of dialing in and that personalization. But I do feel that the internal comms profession also have an opportunity to influence upwards. They play this unique bridge between the leadership and the employee. They're hearing what the leadership are saying and what the employees are saying and they're trying to forever marry the two. And this kind of shift towards what is the purpose of business, which was born out of a a profit-making idealism, whereas now we're trying to talk about profit, planet, and people. But what alarms me as well when I read about it is the lack of knowledge at senior level around what actually needs to be done and how it can be changed. And I feel, I don't know if you agree, but there's this opportunity for internal communicators to push back at leadership and go, no, let's not talk about that. Let's just blast out a message and a nice anecdote. Say we care. Let's sign up to a charity and let's focus in on more the kind of process, broadcasty, shouty side of things. So <laughs> I guess put on those kind of big girl pants. And I say that as a big girl <laughs> to go up and say to our leaders, this is a really important message and dialogue because the impact if we don't do this is huge. I mean, I think that's an opportunity. I don't know if you agree.
1: Well, I think either you're a professional or you're not. And if you're a professional, tell me when you said no. Tell me the last time you said to somebody who asked you to do something, no, I won't do that, right? That a professional surgeon doesn't do surgery on somebody just because they asked them to. They do surgery because it's appropriate. And What we get the chance to do as marketing professionals, as communication professionals, is push up at least as hard as we're pushing down. Not on my watch. Don't put my name on that. Fire me if you want. But no, that's not what a professional communicator does. Not going to do it. If you haven't said that, then I have trouble believing you're actually a professional.
0: I, just chiming in, I think that is so poignant because, and I think you referenced it earlier, because... The systems within which we operate, you know, starting at education and bleeding into the workplace now are, to my mind, just advocating for bland uniformity and no dissent. And actually, somebody, somewhere, you know, I love the fact that you've kind of pinned it to professionals. If you consider yourself to be a professional, then it is, in in essence your job to say no, and here's why. But I think that's kind of where I get to with all of the trends that are driving change in our workplaces. You know, we have to step up and own our knowledge and our integrity and trust in our guts that we are trying to make things better. And when People who've become very comfortable with the status quo are trying to put us into these tiny boxes. You know, we have to be brave. As you say, Jen, big girl pants, big boy. In the case of you, Dom, you know, we have to get our pants on and we have to stand firm for what we believe.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Kat, you and I have seen this every single day inside the Almanac community is this isn't my book, it's our book. And people speak up for what they think is important and what needs to be done. So the kids edition, which is free, has been downloaded all around the world. Wasn't my idea. I had nothing to do with it. But Paige and others said, we're going to make this. Here we go. Stop us if you really want to, but here we go. And that's the work of a professional.
2: So just go back to the internal communication professional again, because... You mentioned earlier, I think I'm paraphrasing, but basically this is the way the bus is going and if that's not where you want to go, get off the bus. I think what you said, which is conceded exactly right. How do internal communicators balance that with the need to encourage dissent and different views? I guess there comes a point when someone dissents to a point where they should be on a different bus entirely, but how do you manage that process as a communicator? How do you allow people to have debate about stuff up to a point
1: on making sense? Yeah, don't so- Let's be really clear about dissent. If the bus is going to Manchester, people on the bus are allowed to speak up and say, you missed the exit. They're allowed to speak up and say, you're going too fast. This is dangerous. They're allowed to speak up and say, you, bus driver, are being a jerk. Those are totally appropriate and expected bits of feedback. What you're not allowed to say is, I don't want to go to Manchester because that's where the bus is going. And so if we look at the ridiculous behavior of the CEO of Twitter, he is not helping the organization get to where it's going. He's just being a jerk. And that shouldn't be tolerated. But if your goal, for example, for years, Google's goal of organizing the world's information, once you establish that's where you're going, then lots and lots of people can speak up and say, no, we should do it this way or that way. That's when you're able to have people actually contribute to making it better.
2: And that is a fantastic analogy. It really is. I think the whole Manchester direction thing is a great way of pulling it together. But lots of internal communicators listening to this and I, I imagine would have already made lots of different notes. And for me, I think there are at least three things coming through. I love the phrase about, this is a we problem, not a me problem. So I think that really does help to underpin how communicators can approach talking about this. You've talked about, uh, let's get real, or let's not play. And I think the last one was about do what we say, and not say what we do, I think, was what you said, which is a the great way of putting things. So for an internal, internal communicator, if they could say, take one thing, what we've discussed so far, what do you think that one thing should be? And I know it will depend according to their organization, but what's the, the key thing that strikes you, Seth?
1: Cat hates it when I step on this path, but here we go. <laughs> the one thing is stop looking for the one thing. <laughs> this is your life's work, and it's also the fate of the planet, the only place in the universe where our life form can exist. Don't look for one quick answer. Don't resolve the tension right away. This is bigger than that. This is about doing work of significance and showing up as the professional you seek to be. And professionals don't stand on one foot waiting for one quick tip. What they realize is that there are yards and miles and meters to go long time before they get to their firm footing and they'll find it, but you have to go on the journey. And I think that the magic of this organization and podcasts like this is turning on lights for people who realize that there's a journey to go on. So I am glad we've got people who care helping lead this path that we're on, but we have a long way to go and we have to
0: hurry. It strikes me, Jen, I'm just going to tie this back to something that I know that you have talked about since we've been working together. For some time, the most senior professionals in the field of internal communication have been saying, where's the opportunity for me to develop my skills, my capabilities, and the chance for me to up my game to grow, develop, and evolve? And I guess what I would say in response to any of those global heads of internal communication that might be listening to this today, this is your opportunity. This is where the journey starts. It's not going to end anytime soon, exactly mirroring what you've said, Seth, but
3: this is it. This is the chance. Absolutely. And I would agree. The final thing I would say is people listening in is picking up a lot of what you're saying, Seth, is the power of the collective power of collective, of groups, of organisms, of people with that desire which we all have to make a difference. And as a professional community of internal communication across the globe, you have the inbox, the direct access to millions of people, of humans, of workforces, of leaders to champion and to make a difference there are yes some systemic problems that we need to deal with but when you listen into this and, and everything that's been said as is, is like you say, this is your opportunity But it's also something that can have such a vast amount of impact if you think of the sheer way you can talk directly, create community, create collective action through the access that you have. So I would take – Seth has got me so passionate um, that I hope that you take that passion on as well to see that this is something where we can look back as our own legacy and say, gosh, isn't that something we're proud of?
1: Exactly. Well said.
3: Seth. Thank you
0: so much. Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so grateful that you have joined us today and hopefully, you know, ignited some fire in the belly of internal communicators out there who now recognise that they have such an integral foundational part to play in this race. And it is a race because as the book rightly says, you know, it's not too late, but we don't have a huge amount of time and we need to get on this trajectory as soon as possible and stand firm in the face of resistance and press forward and I you know I can't tell you I'm so grateful thank you so so much for joining us today
1: thank you all what a pleasure thanks for inviting me appreciate it
3: thank you so much Seth we hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode If you have, please like it and share it with your friends and colleagues on your preferred digital channels. Every recommendation helps us spread the word to build a better, more connected and inclusive future of work. Thanks for listening.